family. We back for another episode of Mastering Love and Life with Clifton Brantley. That is me. Man, it's been a week, right? So, I have something special for you guys today. I have a special guest. This special guest, um, well, if you've been following me for a while, you know that I've actually never had a guest, so this is my first time having a guest. But I am excited about the person that I'm going to share with you guys today. Um, I'm going to let her do her own introduction um, because she can do it better than I can. But let me just tell you a little bit about her. Uh, I can tell you, I can tell you her name. My name is Saudia, Saudia Attorney. She's actually my. She used to be my supervisor when I first became a therapist. Uh, she was my supervisor. Man, that was. It was a while ago. So, but anyway, uh, she helped me during some, during some difficult times and me trying to become the therapist that I want to be, right? And her insight is so um, on point. And I know me saying that, she's going to say, oh, you're raising a bar too high and you put me on the spot. But trust me, she's good at what she does. So I'm going to just bring her on and let her introduce herself. And we're going to just talk uh, and see what comes out of what we talk about. Okay. All right. Miss Saudia, how are you? I'm well. I'm well. How are you? I'm doing well. You're hot. You're hot in your, in your, well, I'm glad you're joining me today. I'm excited. So, so why don't you introduce yourself to the people and tell them who you are and what you do? Okay, sure. So you already said some of it. My name is Saudi Attorney. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I am a supervisor, so I still still do train um, associate licensed people that are wanting to become fully licensed therapists and help them along their journey. Um, and in addition to that work, I'm I work I have my own practice, um, mind body soul healing center where I do a lot of women's empowerment coaching. I have my online courses. That's where I work one-on-one with coaching clients. And I have a, um, group psychotherapy practice that I co-own called life redefined. And that's where I do my individual therapy primarily with women, mostly women of color, but in general women, there are few men sprinkled in. Um, and that is in Friendswood. Texas, but I'm primarily online. I do telemedicine, so I am rarely with face-to-face clients these days. Uh, yeah, me too. I, trust me, I understand that. I, I, I've been virtual. Uh, I think you, I don't know if you ever went back to in-person after the pandemic. I did, but in Jan- in December, I was like, no, nah, I need to go virtual and just kind of, so I'll be this mm-hmm. way. I don't plan on going back. Um, so- Thank you. I have Thank a few you. In person clients. So. Uh, oh, so, oh, you said you have a few. I thought you said I'm proud of you. But listen, you know the thing about um, that too. I'm proud <laughs> of you too. <laughs> the thing about the thing about um, what I found is working at home virtually. So you, you I work at home, and then you have Instacart, <laughs> and you have DoorDash. I, I find myself never leaving the house, and uh, I don't know if that's good or not, but uh, that's. You know, me and my wife joke about that. Like, man, we don't ever because now she works at home, too. So we both are here. So, yeah. Yeah, it can be. I mean, private practice is already isolating. And I think with 
telehealth, you have to be very intentional about connecting with people in, in real life. Yeah, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. So, um, Saudi was saying, she asked me, she said, well, what are we going to talk about? I said, well, uh, I'm in this series on the mind and, um, you know, I figured we could just talk about, we could just talk about personal development. And I know talking about that because that's one of the main things I do. You guys listening, you are going to, uh, be helped tremendously by whatever we share, right? This is not scripted. It's not pre-planned. So, you know, we're just going to get into it. So, um, I don't know about with your clients, but one of the things that I I'm finding, especially as a as a marriage therapist, like I love doing marriage therapy. Some marriage therapists don't like doing marriage, but I love doing marriage. But here's what I found when I teach clients the skills to do marriage better. They can do those skills until I say when life happens and what that means is like a trigger happens or something or whatever. And then they revert back to what they've always known. So then I try to tell them, hey, you're not going to be able to do the skills if you don't change your mindset. Um, what I guess for you, what, what does that speak to when I talk about changing the mindset versus trying to learn something new, but you don't have the mindset to to do that? Do you see that in your practice at all? So what I what I see a lot <coughs> is that um, exactly what you said, when we get triggered, it's like all the tools go out the window because when we get triggered, we go back to our most primitive self, right? So it is a, it is a mindset, but it's also a nervous system rewiring that's needed because in those moments where you get triggered, you're in an argument with somebody um, somebody has made a facial expression that you don't like, whatever it is that triggers you back to those like younger parts of you, um, it's no longer safe. And so the difference with mindset can work until a certain point, but in order to access a different mindset, you have to access the part of your brain that you only have access to when you're kind of safe mostly safe mm -hmm. when you are in fight or flight you're going purely off of like primal instinctual patterns so people will tend to go back to whatever they've they've learned growing up or whatever they've used as a survival mechanism when they were younger mm -hmm. yep and i you know i i tell <laughs> i tell people you know um However you, well, first thing I tell them, I say, you know, if, if when, when it comes to relationships, if you learned it wrong, you're going to live it wrong. And mm -hmm. uh, to your point, it, too often they like people will call me and they'll sign up and they want to jump right into like doing the skills. And I'm like the person that you have been all of this time, learning these skills is not going to help you much. Right. And so I, I like I like the way that you said it, though, because uh, I tell them also we can't solve problems with emotion. Right. In your emotional brain, you get triggered. You in fight, flight or freeze. Like you can't have rational thoughts. So you're going to injure your partner um, in some kind of way. So um, let's talk about this real quick. The the you know, like, especially since the pandemic, uh, me personally, I am 
moving away from actual therapy and doing more more coaching. And I know that you are a women's empowerment coach. Um, How do you how do you balance the two and what is the difference for you? So it's it's a it's a very thin line sometimes. But if, if someone comes to see me and they have a lot of actual like childhood wounding and trauma to dig in deep with so that they can get to the point where they can embody the skills that I'm teaching them, where they can move from present day forward, um, then we'll start with therapy. If there's a lot of past stuff we have to kind of work through. If you come in and you're like, you know, I don't have that much stuff in my past, which that's a whole nother topic because everybody has more stuff than they think they have. (laughs) We all do. Um, But maybe they've worked on it or it's something that is not, they're able to stay present because to speak on what you said, we can be emotional and regulated at the same time. Like I can be angry and still in my, my current experience to be able to have a conversation with you. So if there are people that are able to still remain in their adult body, um, then we can start with coaching and I'll be able to teach them the skills that they can actually put into practice because they don't get so dysregulated when they get triggered or overwhelmed. But I think coaching is like present day forward where therapy is a little bit more past to present. Mm, okay. Yeah. I, and and I, I find myself not, um, I find myself not wanting to do a whole lot of childhood work, which is crazy because I, I, I love childhood work. I really do. But I think I love my childhood work now more than working with other people's. Um, but that's, you know, I don't know. That's probably just the resistance behind it uh, because people think they know how to fix or heal what's broken. And they, that's why you're paying me. Right. So I don't like the whole pushback and yeah, but I'm, but, but let me, what are your thoughts about this when it comes to couples? So I'll do, I'll do therapy with, with individuals, but with couples, I tell people, cause a lot of times they want to use the insurance and I say, well, I don't take insurance. And for couples therapy, um, one of the main reasons is like, if, if I, I can't diagnose a couple as anxious or depressed, Right. And the insurance company wants a diagnosis. But what are your thoughts about um, doing therapy with a couple? Like, don't you do do you find yourself you actually end up doing it individually with each of them therapy versus coaching? Did that make sense? Um, So one, I want to make sure I understand you. Okay. like when I'm working with a couple, do I find myself doing like is couples therapy more like individual therapy with two people in the room or am I doing more coaching? Yeah, that you got it. Exactly. Which one of those Um, for you? I, I think both depending on the stage of therapy. Okay. Well, yeah, where they are. So I would say nine times out of 10, um, I'm doing, I'm starting off with individual work with another person present because that's also, like we only exist in the context of other people. So it's actually helpful for the couple dynamic to gain an understanding and gain a perspective of why your partner reacts the way they do, why it's such a big deal for them that this thing that you feel like is so insignificant um, happens, right? And so 
being able to work with one person and I'm, I'm not emotionally invested. So I'm able to ask questions that their partner's not able to ask when they're triggered or overwhelmed or want to be dismissive or frustrated or whatever it is. So I become kind of like that, um, mediator so they can see and hear things that they wouldn't normally see and hear when it's just the dynamic between the two of them. Um, and so they gain an understanding, right? Like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this happened to you when you were five, Mm -hmm. or I didn't know that this is what you were thinking when I left my shoes in the middle of the floor. Cause I'm just thinking I left my shoes in the middle of the floor. Right. Mm -hmm. So even though you're working on one person's issues, it's really helpful for that other partner to have just a bigger context to what's going on in their partner's life because it breeds compassion. It doesn't excuse behavior, but it does help with the compassion component and patience. Mm-hmm. That is really, that is really, really good. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's interesting. Um, it's not, it's not surprising or anything or unusual. It's just interesting to, to hear you talk and you use different language, but we talk about the same things, right? Because uh, w- what you're talking about, I call that, like I, I, I teach skills for understanding. Like you need to understand your partner. And like I, I was just meeting with a couple not long ago and I was telling them how when your partner, for example, I gave this example. If my wife told me, you know, I don't feel like you love me like you used to. I don't necessarily have to get upset when I hear that because I have no idea. I don't know what she means, first of all. I don't know where it came from. I say the fact that she's a human being and the fact that we're imperfect, I don't know if she saw something on TV and had a thought. I don't know if she was thinking about her childhood. I don't know what's going on. What partners tend to do is just get upset. And what you mean? I don't love you. And mm-hmm. like you have to understand. So when you say I don't love you, what's making you feel that way or what's making you think that well it's because you know um you be in your office after eight o'clock oh so are you saying when i'm in the office after eight it makes you feel unloved yes so then i say okay i may explore more but the point is well i understand now i understand why you said that because if that makes you think that wouldn't that make sense if i was in your position i may think the same thing I still love you the same, but then you create that compassion, like you say, to 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 offer to where the other person is. Too often we dismiss, you know, what they're feeling because I think you're saying something about me. And so I, you know, get upset. So I think it's interesting. Yeah, I was thinking like the, the person that can't hold that is is typically already triggered by feeling like they're not enough. You're saying something about my I'm I'm not I'm not somehow enough for you, which mm-hmm. has nothing to do like like you explain what that person's going through. But that's I think where couples like bump up against each other mm-hmm. that they are mm-hmm. making themselves the source of somebody's emotional pain instead of wanting to understand. Oh, I'm not the reason. Like I'm not. This is coming up in you. You are a hundred percent responsible for your feelings. Mm-hmm. But there's something in my behavior that's triggering this feeling that's totally yours. Let me be curious about that. It's hard. It's hard to do. <laughs> Curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, be curious. Uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking about a, a back and forth I had with a client. Not a, not an angry or disrespectful back and forth, but a back and forth about being curious why they're angry. Why I got to be curious when that? <laughs> I said, because you love them. And 
they they don't perceive themselves the way you do, right? And so the whole dialogue, but yeah, the whole curiosity thing. Um, so tell me about your most, your, what's, what's most difficult for you to do in your profession when trying to help people? Hmm. Most difficult. Um, I can tell you, I don't know if this is the most difficult, but I will say the thing that comes to mind is that we are, by nature, we want to fix things right away. Okay, so now I understand it. How, tell me the like five things I need to do now to make it go away. And that's not the way that we're designed as human beings. Um, and I don't even think that is the way that is most effective to automatically identify something from a conscious awareness standpoint and then shift right into like, okay, well, let me make it go away because there's a lot of work that has to happen of why it's there and how has it served you and how can you bring, again, curiosity and compassion to this part? Like it's a part of you that has served you well. Anyone that's walking into your office and my office has survived up until this point using these skills, whether healthy or not, they've survived and that's all your body thinks, cares about. This is helped you towards survival. So when you go into like, you know, I equate it to like if you have a new boss that comes in, like somebody at your job, a new boss comes in and you've been working at that job for like 15 years and you know all the ins and outs and you may not do everything well, but you've been effective and you've been efficient. And then this new person comes in and on day one, they just want to like change everything. They don't talk to you. They don't ask you what you've been doing. They don't ask you what's been working, what hasn't been working. They just automatically want to change you. You're naturally going to like come against resistance even if what they're saying is for your in your best interest you're going to resist it so i tell people that that's kind of the same thing that our bodies does right like you're going to find this resistance when you go into change and then you're going to get frustrated with my gosh why do i know what to do but i can't implement what i know why do i feel like it's just so hard for me to make these changes because you can't be that tyrant boss that comes in on day one and tries to like revamp the whole system. Our systems don't work that way and they don't like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. So, uh, so I want to shift a little bit and, uh, tell me about this. What is, what is, what do you mean by women's empowerment coach? Like, what is that? What, what is it that you do with women? So ultimately and simplistically, I help guide women back to their own um, voice, their own truth, their own intuition. I think I think human beings in general, but there is a lot of like social conditioning um, that women are taught that disconnects them from the essence of who they are as people, right? That disconnects them from what's truly a yes for them and what's a no for them, what they like, what they don't like, how they want to show up in the world. There is a lot of us, all of us are taught that to be a woman means dot, 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 fill in the blank, whether it's based on religion, whether it's based on culture, whether it's based on your family of origin. So a woman's empowerment coach, my job, I feel like is to help get rid or help see through all of the noise of the world so you can connect to the soul, right? Like the purest part of you. So you know actually what you're intended to do in this world and who you really are and help women um, gain the courage to be able to move forth in their lives in that way. Ah, okay. Okay. So then what's the, 
I guess, what's the value in that for the women? Like, like working with you versus not like what's, what's the main benefit of that? Why do I need to connect with my soul? What I, I can tell you the symptomology. So what t- tends to show up is I've done all the right things. I checked all the right boxes. I have the husband, I have the kids, I, I have the job, I have the car, I have all the things. Why don't I feel happy? Why am I so exhausted? Why is it so hard for me to take care of myself? Like they're depleted because the idea is if you give and give and give and give and give, if you do everything right, if you follow all the rules, then somehow there's this pot of gold called happiness at the end of that rainbow. And so a lot of the women that I work with are like, okay, well, that's not happening. And in fact, I actually feel less happy, more depressed, more anxious, more overwhelmed. So when working with me, it helps them unwind some of their patterns of behavior that have led them to feeling these symptoms, the anxiety, the depression, the exhaustion. Um, so they, they can feel vibrant and energized in their lives, right? So they can make the decisions that are truly aligned with not who am I supposed to be based on anything external, who am I supposed to be based on what is truly, truly um, my choice, my truth, and step into the power to be able to move forward with that because it's hard. It's, it's working kind of against what a lot of other people may want in their lives or want for them in their lives because they benefit somehow over having this person that kind of takes care of everything and manages everything and does for everyone. And, and so to say no to things or to say I'm going to do it differently – can cause a lot of tension in their world and you need support through that. Mm, mm-hmm. So, okay. So that makes me have this question then. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if, if there is a biggest, but what's, what's the biggest culprit? Um, I guess I want to say to, to, to get women there. I think, you know what I'm saying, but what's the biggest culprit? Would it be their childhood society or their current relationship? You know, that kind of has them stuck in this space that this is what a woman's supposed to be. Um, I think I think it's too unique. It just really depends on the individual and their life experiences. Now, what I will say is most times it's not going to be your current relationship, your marriage, your long partnership, whatever, unless there are some um, childhood issues that happened before that opened the door for you to be in a relationship with someone that doesn't value the truth of who you are, that wants you to be what they need you to be and is offended or hurt by you showing up as who you truly are. That tends to not happen unless that is a pattern that's on replay from some relationship or some dynamics from childhood. Mm. You know, that that reminds me of uh, this that reminds me of my marriage and how much I've had to grow because coming into marriage, thinking that I knew certain things about relationships, even after being a therapist, uh, the stuff they don't teach you in the books and in school is, you know, when you want what's best for your partner and you think you know what's best, but then you go a step further and you try to put that on them. And then there's resistance and you're like, 
why are you resisting? You said you want to be great. I'm trying to help you be great. And what I had to learn is uh, it's not my responsibility to make you great or whatever. My job is to support you. And what I learned was that I was uncomfortable with um, what she, how she wanted to be great or, or the pace at which she wanted to go. Like, no, you got to go fast. And so uh, hearing you say that, I'm like, uh, I think I was participating in uh, stifling my wife. Well, I know I was, you know, stifling my wife while thinking I'm trying to help her. Right. And um, once I took my hands off and said, you know what, your life is your responsibility. Um, I'll support you. Um I actually felt more free and she felt more free because I don't like controlling people. And I didn't even realize I was doing that. So uh, that's really insightful that, that you said that. But we. Yeah, I mean, it works in both genders, though, because I can relate to that into in my marriage as well. I think my husband has a very a much more laid back, easygoing personality. And I'm very like. I like to optimize everything. Like this is good, but it could be better. This is great, but like, let's how about do it like this? And that's just the nature of my personality. And I brought that into our relationship as well, which I had to learn over many years. Like that is actually not love, right? That's actually the opposite of love, right? I have to accept who this person is. Um, I think the thing that people run into a lot when they're in partnership is that <sighs> there's also a certain kind of bar that has to be set, right? Like if you say I'm going to take the hands off the wheel and I'm not going to control you, and that's what I would encourage people to do, right? Like mm -hmm. fill yourself up, focus on yourself, and then see what's left over. Because then you have to determine if the relationship will work, right? Because when you start investing and in taking care of yourself and focusing on your own development, you become less needy and, mm -hmm. and not that you don't need things, but you don't need this person to be something to make you feel full because you realize I can fill myself up. Mm -hmm. And then you have to determine, but now that I'm full and I want partnership, is this the type of partnership that I want? Can mm -hmm. this person meet me in the space where I need them to meet me at? And it's a whole different thing. Like I don't need you to change but I do want to feel fulfilled in this, in this type of way mm -hmm. in my relationships. And then you can navigate the relationship from that space, but it's a lot less reactive. Mm -hmm. It's a lot less controlling because you've already said it's an invitation. You can love me this way or you can not either mm -hmm. way. I'm mm -hmm. going to be good, but I may not be in this partnership forever. Mm -hmm. That's a that, uh, man. You set this question right up. So, so that, so I have a question for you then. So, what about the people who, like both people, are committed to not divorcing? Like as they grow, they realize, hey, this may not have been the best choice for us, but we're committed to being married. Um, how do you how, how can something like that work? I, I think just even by two people saying, hey, I might not been the, per the best person for you and you aren't the best person for me shows a level of self-awareness and a level of, but I'm willing to make the best of whatever we have. Mm -hmm. That's workable, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's not really, 
I think that you, we have the capacity to grow and change in so many different ways, ways that we can't even see, right? So if you have two people that are like, okay, well, this is not innately who we are. Maybe we weren't like soulmates or I don't even believe in that, but whatever it is that they're, they're looking for. I think it's the work. Are we, are we willing to engage in different practices and different things to explore who we are as people so that we can optimize our relationship in the best way that we can? That's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, so what I, what I what I tell people is, you know, you have to you have to divorce your idea so you can stay married to your reality. Uh, because I believe most of us marry our idea. Uh, I don't. I don't believe anybody marries the person they thought they married. Because I believe. We make most of it up in our head. And then in marriage, we think they've changed. Hey, this is not what I, this is what you signed up for. But I, 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 what I, what I notice or what I try to coach people, uh, if you want to stay together, you have to realize, you can tell me your thoughts about this. You have to realize that there may be some areas where you want it to be on the same page with your partner, but that may not be the case. For example, for example, Like, um, I think it's important for husband and wife to be best friends. But if you marry someone and y'all in a situation where y'all are not the same kind of friends and like that doesn't click, maybe you have different connection needs, then I say, you know, you may have to get your friendship needs met outside the marriage as long as you don't violate the marriage. What are your thoughts about that? No, I, I, I totally agree. I, there, I had two thoughts. One, I, I do think we change, right? So yes, I agree with that. You do marry your, your fantasy person. Like we all have ideas of what a husband and a wife is in our head before we even meet the person. And then we just put them in that box mm-hmm. and when they don't like fit in that box, we get upset. Right. So there, there's that component. I think there's the other component of we grow and we change who we are as a couple dating and what I need then and what attracted me to you then, maybe it was the stability, maybe it was the consistency because I wanted someone to help build a family with and grow with. But now we're empty nesters and I want someone to be spontaneous with and travel the world and have fun. And you're like, no, I'm still kind of this consistent. It's like, well, I've changed, I need more, I need something different. And in that case, you may have to go find that in in a friendship, right? You travel with your sister, do whatever you need to do to get those those needs met and only that person can determine whether it has to be with their partner, right? Like there's a part of me, I don't feel like we should, we should figuratively die in our relationship, right? Love should, love is expansive. Mm -hmm. Love should make you more of who you are. And in that there's challenges and there's growth and growth is painful at times. So I'm not saying it has to be all sunshine and butterflies, but if you truly feel at your core, like, there is a part of me that is dying in this space, then I do think you might have to reevaluate um, the partnership because that's not, that's not love. And I don't think that's what marriage and partnership was intended to be. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I agree with that 1000%. Um, my, my parents, I'm 40. No, huh? I am not 40 anything. <laughs> I'm 50, <laughs> going to be 51. Um, my parents, when my dad died, um, I think I was about 45. So they'd been married 43 years. And 
personally, I wasn't in their marriage, but I don't ever remember them being happy. And, you know, I grew up Christian. And uh, what I would say is nobody's going to convince me that uh, that was God's will for y'all to stay. Because my mom's thing was for years, you know, uh, God say one husband, one wife. I say, well, it don't say that. Right. That's it doesn't say that. Uh, And then, you know, uh, God hates divorce. He does. But he also hates abuse. And nobody's going to convince me for the sake of marriage that you just stay miserable, you know, and yeah, no. So, so, um, I don't, (laughs) I don't agree with that. That's very hard. I I actually think that that is probably top three issues that the women that I, um, work with come across, right. They have to confront because they do have, um, religious backgrounds and, I think a lot of times the messages are, are misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is that belief that like, I have to stay because of my children or I have to stay because I've made this commitment and that's it. There's no context to that. They don't allow themselves to see the bigger context because that's where it is. And there's a lot of um, silent or not even silent. There's just a lot of suffering from both parties, children involved. Mm-hmm. Um, that comes from that, that belief, love is suffering. The question I would ask those women is like, how is God getting the glory out of your life if you're miserable because you're staying married? Mm -hmm. You know, well, they say divorce is, you know, a sin and, 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 you know, you be committing adultery. Okay. Even if we go with that, it's not the unforgivable sin. And you're not sinning forever. Divorce if you need to. And I'm saying that, you know, lightly because I, I, I am anti-divorce. But at the same time, I'm not, like I said, with my, I'm not doing what my parents did. But but yeah. like if you want to divorce, the thing in my previous marriage, let me say this. What, what kept me married so long because I knew I shouldn't have been. The thing that had me trapped was being concerned with what folk were going to think particularly the church. And then one day it hit me, listen, I'm miserable. God's not getting the glory out of my life. And I'm worried about what the people are going to say. I have a relationship with God. We'll talk. I ask for forgiveness. And I, but I, that wasn't even the issue. The issue was how are people going to see me in the church? And once I finally got that, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do what's best for me or what I think is best for me. And let the chips fall where they may. So, uh, you know, I, it's unfortunate. And I know we have different religious beliefs, but it's unfortunate that people so often allow uh, religion to keep them trapped. It's particularly Christians because I'm like, do you read the Bible? Cause it's love from Genesis to revelation. And yeah, there's some rules and regulations in there that we, but, but, but when you're talking about relationships, He's not okay with that. And nobody's going to come. You got to show me in the text because he's not okay. Not okay with that. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, you have a, you have a webinar coming up. Tell me about the webinar. I do. So it's a free live webinar on Wednesday night at 7 PM. That is a, um, that goes over the method that I developed 
in my online course kind of help kind of a larger group of people, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can only work one-on-one with so many people. Mm -hmm. Um, And it actually came out of COVID because I had such a huge wait list and I couldn't see everybody and I was getting burnt out and I wasn't becoming as effective or wasn't being as effective as I needed to be. And as the times called for, so I decided that group coaching was a way to reach more people and still get a lot of the healing that needed to happen out. Um, so this webinar is a introduction and goes over the formula that I, that I created um, based on my online course. And it's the formula that helps people, helps women connect themselves back to their intuition, their knowing, their joy, their vibrancy, their truth. And I, I give a little bit of um, explanation about what you can expect from the course and the modules um, with a little teaching sprinkled in. So even if you decide to never sign up for the full course, you'll leave with some nuggets of information that you can take with you and utilize in your life. Okay. So when you say Wednesday, uh, what's the actual date? Uh, Wednesday is, I don't know what Wednesday is the 31st, May 31st, May 31st. Okay. May 31st at 7 PM. It's um, on Zoom. It's about. It's going to be about an hour to an hour and a fifteen. I like to talk a lot, so I'm trying to narrow down all the information so it fits in that hour. Um, and if you sign up and you can't attend for whatever reason, I know people are busy. Then everyone will get a recording as well. Okay. Everyone that registers will get a recording. Now, is there a fee for the webinar? The webinar is free. Webinar is free, and. Uh, Guys, I'll put a link in the in the description for the for the webinar if you want to register for that. Um, I'm not a female, but any females listening, I can vouch for Saudia. Trust and believe, right? If you trust me, trust my word that um, working with her, or even if you just do this webinar, you're not going to walk away from that unchanged. And so, I encourage you encourage you to do that. So, man, thank you for. Um, joining me on my my podcast you're my first guest and uh i'm actually getting Yay. ready to launch a new podcast first yeah 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 you was first um <laughs> i should have been had you on actually and i'm definitely going to have you again uh we'll talk more about like some specific topics and really yeah. um like help people get their lives together right so uh, but yeah, we we got to talk more often personally, right? Because I need I I believe in the concept of iron sharpening iron. And when I see your stuff online, I'm like, man, she's just so good. Like, man, she's good. <laughs> and um, so I know it's so much I can still learn from you. So by the way, I loved your TV interview. That was cool. Uh, I wish they would have gave you more airtime, but I I enjoyed that. Yeah, the segments go by really, really quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, well, thank you for joining me. Everybody else, y'all take care.